Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Computer Weekly Downtime Upload Podcast. I'm Cliff Sarin and my guest today is Rajesh Naidu, who is the Chief Architect and Head of Data Management and Data Governance at Expedia. It's interesting looking at your career in IT, Rajesh, from enterprise architect to data analytics and where you are now. How do you see the role of enterprise architect? How has that changed? How has that changed during your career? Thank you, Cliff. I'm glad to be a part of this conversation today. So enterprise architecture has definitely had its share of being in vogue and out of favor. Mm. When architecture becomes an ivory tower, it can become obsolete. When the ERP applications and packaged applications were dominating, it was all about integration and standardization. Mm, Yes. But with the advent of the cloud, DevOps and other new paradigms around architecture, it's all about getting the foundation and the design right. Mm. And events like the pandemic actually test your ability to design and build systems that are resilient and available all the time. So architecture has certainly changed to having more of a focus around identifying what is your core versus context. Where do you want to build core differentiating applications versus where you can buy applications that are more for your context. Hmm. So build versus buy and things like that have definitely come to the forefront. Uh, Sorry to interrupt you, Rajesh, uh, but you mentioned the pandemic. And I know when we were talking just before this interview, you mentioned how you... Uh, how you were hired at Expedia. Um, Can can you tell me a little bit about that? Certainly. Um, So I was hired right towards the end of the pandemic. Uh, Prior to that, I worked at Starbucks for almost 10 years. Um, The hiring process during the pandemic was certainly interesting because it was no longer in-person interviews. Mm. You had to do everything via Zoom and uh, it was all remote. Certainly getting to make a switch from an old company to a new company during the pandemic can be daunting at times because you are leaving a known culture and a known surrounding with individuals you've worked with for a long time and stepping into something new. I looked at it as a challenge. Mm. I looked at it as a challenge to be actually at the forefront of travel, which is an industry which certainly looked like it was going to be the first one to rebound after the pandemic. It was also it was also the one that suffered the most uh, during the pandemic. It was also the one that suffered the most. It was also the one that had to remake and reinvent itself mm. to be ready for the surge that would happen with a post-pandemic travel. So it was a perfect time in terms of being able to bring my architecture skills to a company that was looking to make a significant rebound and a transformation in the travel space. Okay, well, you, you mentioned architect a few t- and architecture a few times. I think that's because I asked you about it. But moving on a bit, uh, can we talk about the main architectural building blocks used at Expedia and why they were chosen, why it's been built this way? Certainly. I think to understand the architecture building blocks that we've chosen, you've got to understand a little bit about the scale of Expedia. Mm. So Expedia is no longer the online travel agency that we were 25 years ago. We are powering travel through our house of brands and our B2B partners. We have over 168 million loyalty members, over 50,000 business-to-business partners, 
over 3 million properties and over 500 plus airlines, car rentals and cruise lines. Yes. So this is pretty big scale in terms of the partners. Mm. In addition, we also have an interesting scale problem of our platform, which processes over 600 billion AI predictions a year. We have over 70 petabytes of data. And in some cases, we are using AIML to evaluate 360,000 permutations on a single page of our brand site. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> it is amazing. Yes. So when we look at the building blocks of what we want to do, mm. we want to make sure we respect the scale and keep the scale. In addition, we also remove the complexity because we had grown through acquisitions. So we have a house of brands and tech stacks, which were not built on a common platform. Mm. So we are migrating towards moving towards a common platform strategy that consolidates the redundant tools while driving efficiency improving the developer experience and reducing the platform costs. We are certainly leveraging the cloud for a lot of this. Yes. And yeah. that gives us the scale, the resiliency, the ability to scale up and down as needed. Mm. And in addition, we also are able to try out some of the new paradigms of architecture and design. Okay. Uh, I mean, I'm just looking through my notes here. Um, and it, it says here that you're you're planning to move 9,000 applications or you've moved 9,000 applications? Can you tell me about that? Certainly, we are in the process of moving 9,000 applications. Yes. So the, the way we are uh, focusing on this is a combination, I would say, of both people, process and technology. Mm. Uh, we want to make sure that we have the right training for our people. So we have the ability to make this transition to the cloud. In addition, we have a common experience and design framework, which is actually bringing, bringing together teams from design, product, engineering and architecture together hmm. to work from day one on not only dog fooding and sandboxing this thing, but building trust and ensuring that the traveler and partner experience remain at the forefront. We launched an architecture guild for the first time across Expedia to actually bring all of the architects together to understand the current footprint, to understand what the future system should look like, and to share the problems and common architecture and design patterns. Pause there for a second. What, what what would you say is the difference between a guild and a, uh, a center of excellence, for want of a better word? Certainly. Yeah. So we have facets of both the center of excellence and a guild in an architecture. But the mm. architecture guild is really about bringing the practitioners of the architecture together, mm. both in terms of building some of those best practices, but also actually doing the work, designing the system. So it's not just about putting policies and white papers out there and having teams go off and try to figure it out themselves. Mm. It's that actually working closely with the teams, designing things side by side, reviewing the designs and helping uplift the entire organization. So in that regard, back to my earlier comment, we certainly want to avoid being an ivory tower. Mm. We want to be pragmatic and work alongside both of the teams. So there's going to be moments when we provide center of excellence expertise, but in many other cases, we're actually doing the hands-on design work with the teams. Uh, I mean, is there some kind of, I mean, from the, you know, going back to like the center of excellence where you do have the, you know, the, the white papers, is there a blueprint? Is, is there this architecture that that, that these um, these engineers are, are working towards or a common goal, common goal, sorry. 
Yes, there is a common goal in our architecture that we are working towards. So we are moving towards uh, one of the largest Kubernetes migration in history that we are doing. Mm. So we are where it makes sense to containerize our workloads. We are we are moving those to a Kubernetes cluster, where, and bringing those platforms together. In some cases, we're going to be leveraging some of the AWS uh, EC2 instances and mm. that architecture pattern. Uh, where it makes sense, it could be functions as a service. And in some other cases, we also have software as a service application that we are moving on to, in which case it will be an integration between our stack and the software as a service vendor. Mm. So we're really right-sizing where we build versus where we buy, mm. and that is the pattern towards which the teams are moving. I mean, with these, going back to the 9,000 applications, because I think it's an interesting figure, uh, and you've now said that you're doing this massive containerization uh, project with Kubernetes, or, you know, hosting on Kubernetes. Are those applications being moved across? Are they being re-engineered to, to work as containerized applications? Are you going cloud native? There's a whole load of, you know, related things here. Uh, because people don't, don't necessarily lift and shift and move to the cloud. There has to be a very good reason to do that. Certainly. So we are uh, actually doing all of the above. Mm. So there are cases where we are refactoring and rewriting the applications. Um, I'll give you a recent example of, of one of the applications. So we completed moving our hotels.com stack onto Expedia.com, mm. and we already saw efficiencies. In the past, when in the recent design review, actually, we noticed some abnormality in the way our hotel sort was being done. And this would have just required a small word change. In the past, we would have had to do this across web, mobile, etc. It would have taken us several months. In this case, it was done in under a week. Mm. And the reason we were able to do it under a week is because we consolidated the stack. So refactoring where it makes sense, breaking these into microservices, as well as leveraging some of the other cloud paradigms has definitely helped us. Mm. Um, <clears throat> I mean, it's an, I think it's an interesting one for other organizations. Um, where, and and maybe in your previous role, you may have seen this as well. Uh, I mean, I, I would sort of consider Expedia very much uh, an internet first organization. That's, that's what it is, right? Whereas a, a traditional bricks and mortar organization would have a you know, very different outlook on, on technology and technology uh, driven by technology. It, you know, it's, it's just what, where, 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 where your assets are and how you, but the assets of, of Expedia are very much the the technology the the ip right um yeah. i am thinking about really that uh, around how you those decisions that say well you know we are going to take this application that's already working and we're going to make it work better in a different way and this is going to require resources and cost in order to do that but you know there's a long-term business benefit how, how, do you, how do you engage the business in, in that, that sort of a conversation? Not just say at Expedia, but your advice to other, re, uh, other listeners of uh, the Computer Weekly podcast. Certainly. I think, you know, different companies are at different stages at mm. their digital transformation or their tech rationalization yes, at this point. Yes. Uh, what we've seen is both from my past experience and even here at Expedia, at the end of the day, it's going to be your data and your differentiated capabilities that you can deliver with data. For example, for us, it's all about using our AI, ML and our data mm. to power personalization and personalized experiences for our travelers and partners to be able to provide those insights 
in in the blink of an eye yes. to be able to make the right decisions. Now, even in my prior company within retail, it was around the same thing. It was all about drawing the customers into the retail store, mm. being able to provide personalized experiences. So to be able to do this kind of work where you're doing personalization and data computation at scale, certainly the cloud has a lot of advantages mm. because you can spin up and spin down your instances as needed as needed you're paying for things as needed versus having these massive built out data centers and things like that so that is one of the big transitions and changes that companies have had to make in addition there are things around security which definitely the cloud providers have a leg up in terms of uh, bringing that security practices and best practices to the mix you still have to design your systems you still mm. have to take advantage of it but at the end of the day you have certain scale challenges that you can address more easily with the cloud so i think for the business it really is about articulating the benefits mm. that you're going to be getting the velocity of change that you can bring across and how quickly you can scale across the globe too which is one of the advantages of moving with a cloud provider if you have to enter a new market or enter into a new region for business mm. uh, i mean we we've we've kind of touched on the last question which is about the main business benefits are, are there any others that you would like to uh, highlight yeah, I think, you know, for us, it's really about three things that we are looking at. One mm. is we want to make sure we are able to provide the personalization, like I talked about before, mm. leveraging the AIML. The second thing is we believe that the tech landscape is heading towards more of what I would call open tech systems. So you probably heard about our open world app, a system that we have announced, the open world platform mm. that we want to provide to travelers and partners. It is based on open architecture and we're also leveraging components of open source within that. And the third thing is really about moving AI from being beyond a buzzword to something with tangible business benefits. Mm. And that is where we feel, for example, at Expedia, things like price tracking and prediction for flight bookings. This is a powerful feature for our travelers who are cost conscious and want to make sure that they are purchasing the tickets at the right time. The other thing is a smart shopping tool for hotels where users want to be able to see what are the different options they can pick within a hotel and can they see it easily on a single screen mm. so they can navigate across. So it's really about leveraging these uh, uh, technologies to benefit the travelers as well as our partners. And even with our partners, we're doing something around an overall guest experience score, mm. which is not just based on what the traveler is doing at the hotel, but also the entire booking experience. So our suppliers can see it from multiple angles. Okay. Uh, I mean, do you see any technologies that really excite you at the moment? You've, you've mentioned a lot about AI and AI is, well, you know, it's been around for a reasonable amount of time, but you know, I have tracked how AI has moved from, but when, when I speak, I, I mean, one of the um, organizations I spoke to uh, was Amadeus, right? You know Amadeus, the uh, global yep. ticketing system, right? And uh, they were they were developing their own hardware to accelerate AI. And, you know, the, and I've been writing about this stuff for many years and, and covering the tech industry and say, well, you know, it's 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 unusual that uh, you know what you would rely on the industry to develop the hardware generally you known but to be at the forefront of that and pushing this technology application specific integrated circuits you know field programmable graphic um, 
uh, Gatorades. Uh, you know, they, this is advanced hardware, hardware engineers, right? And you know, I, I, I asked them, well, you know, where do you get these people? They're, they, you know, they, <laughs> they're, they're stuck at the big um, tech firms. Uh, I mean, what? what so the, the question is really, where, what, what are the sorts of technology that you, you see, maybe not net today, tomorrow, but going forward is, is going to help you in that sort of vision of, you know, building out the architecture and, and maybe promises to, you know, put the, push the architecture in a, in, in a different direction or accelerate it. Yeah, definitely. I think a couple of things that come to mind. One is, I think, the progress and the advances made around conversational uh, mm. platforms and the technology around it. We are definitely incorporating a lot of that into our platform. Mm. Our conversational platform is of interest because it powers over 29 million conversations for us. Yes. So the ability to understand both text as well as speech and being able to infer those and provide those experiences to our partners, both in terms of support or during the booking journey. And that is a, a, our conversational platform is of interest to our partners. That is one of the first ones we are actually going to be offering on the open world platform. Okay. The other one that is interesting, definitely, that you touched upon is computation at scale and whether quantum computing is something that could be of interest to us. Mm. We are early in the phases of investigating that what are the opportunities over there where we can take advantage of something like that for search and other technologies that we have. We are certainly going to look at partnership opportunities with the right companies for that. So that is one area that we're focusing on. Mm. The other one I would say we have a lot of interest around is understanding sustainability and what we can do on sustainability and how we can uh, provide our own platforms with a sustainable footprint. And we actually have an open world accelerator that we have created where we have, I think, um, encouraged startups and small medium business. We have over 200 plus applicants who applied for the first program, which is kicking off in Jan 2023. Mm. And they are going to be bringing in resources to speed up the growth of our platform and also build sustainable capabilities on the platform. So that is something I would say those are the three which come to mind in terms of some of the things that we are looking at. Oh, brilliant. Well, Rajesh, it's been fantastic talking to you today. Uh, thank you ever so much. Uh, there's so much going on. Uh, I mean, I'd love to catch up with you, say, in a year's time to see how these things are going. Uh, and, uh, you know, best of luck with the is it Open World. Yeah, that's the that's the platform. Yes, Open World. Uh, well, and I hope that goes really well. Well, thank you ever so much. It's been nice talking to you. And thank you very much for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.